Good morning. This is the word of God as it comes to you from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25, reading from the NIV. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And we read further in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of God. Well, good morning. I'm plugged in now. My name is Adam. If uh, we haven't met, I'm part of the team and it's great to be together and to open up God's Word this morning. We're actually in week four of our sermon series called A Beautiful Life, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. Now to put it simply, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of God that is being grown in our lives by the presence of God's Spirit. So far we've looked at love, joy and peace. If you've missed any of those sermons, you can catch up online. But those first three items in the fruit basket, they sound very spiritual, don't they? Love, joy, and peace. They sound heavenly. Well, today, as we come to the next item in the list, we are brought down to earth with a thud. The next item in the list is patience. And we all said, yay! I actually mentioned to someone recently that the sermon coming up was on patience and they said to me, I might skip church that week. (laughs) Maybe you're wishing that you had stayed in bed right now. Well, let me tell you, there's one thing harder than listening to a sermon on patience. And that is preaching a sermon on patience. I mean, I don't stand up before you this morning as the perfect example of patience. Far, far from it. I'm an impatient man pursuing patience only by the grace and patience of God. And maybe that's true for you as well. I think most of us, if we're being honest, would admit that we could all do with a little bit more patience in our lives. An area where my patience is tested is on the road. Maybe you can relate. If I find myself stuck in a traffic jam, if I find myself stuck behind someone going, 
a little bit too slow, I find my frustration levels rising, I find my fuse shortening, and I have to remind myself it's not that big of a deal. I have to remind myself that getting frustrated doesn't change anything except my mood. Or I just have to listen to my wife who reminds me of these things as well. I actually read a a story this week about a, a man whose car stalled in heavy traffic just as the light turned green. He tried everything, but he couldn't get the the car to start again, and the honking and the yelling behind him just made things worse. So eventually, he got out of his car, he went back to the the driver immediately behind him, knocked on the window and said, hey, I can't get the car started, so why don't you go up there and give it a try? I'll sit here and blow your horn. not a true story about me, just in case you're wondering. (laughs) Now, I'm not sure when your patience is tested the most, but I do know that we all do daily battle with impatience. Maybe you battle impatience at home, with your spouse, with your kids, with your siblings, with your housemate, with your neighbours, maybe even with your pets. Maybe you do battle with impatience on the roads or at work, at the shops, when the the line is long, at the dentist, at the doctor, maybe especially at government agencies. I mean, every single day we do battle with impatience. And as followers of Jesus, it's important that we actually do battle with impatience, that we do fight against it, because there is a close connection between impatience and anger. When we face things that test our patience, our our most natural reaction and response is frustration or anger. This is why, actually, in the New Testament, it's not surprising that the Greek word for patience literally means slow anger. It's the the Greek word makrothumia. Now, I'm sure you can read it there on the screen, but basically, it's two Greek words put together. The Greek word macro, which means long, And the Greek word thumia, which means anger. Patience is literally long anger. It's being slow to anger. It's having a long fuse. Tim Keller says, or he defines patience as the ability to face trouble from others or life without blowing up or hitting out. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about this especially in the book of Proverbs, which gives us God's wisdom for living. For example, in Proverbs 14, we read, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. The Bible has a lot to say about patience, and the Bible also tells us that God is patient, that God is long-tempered, that God is slow to anger. For example, in Exodus 34, when God describes himself to Moses, this is what he says. He says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now maybe you're wondering, why does God need patience? Maybe you're not. 
I mean, why does God need to be slow to anger? Who, who is God being patient with? And of course, the answer is you and me. The answer is us. The answer is sinful, rebellious humanity. The world continues to exist because God is patient. I mean, imagine with me for a moment that you could see all that God sees. Imagine you could see all that God has ever seen. Everything that has ever happened in human history. Everything that's ever happened behind closed doors. Everything that's ever happened in boardrooms and on battlefields, in prisons and in pubs, in homes and hotel rooms. I mean, every act of violence and abuse and mistreatment and exploitation. Imagine if you could see everything that has ever happened in human history. Maybe like me, you would be tempted to just do away with the whole sorry lot. So why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't God just put an end to everything? Well, the world continues to exist because God is patient. Now, of course, there is a day coming when God will justly judge human evil, when God will bring an end to the misery of our sinful rebellion, where God will pour out his wrath on those who reject him. But for the time being, God is patient. He's bearing with those who reject him. Now, why is God being patient? Why is God waiting? Well, we're given the answer in 2 Peter chapter 3. Some people were wondering and questioning why Jesus hadn't returned yet, and this is what Peter said. He said, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead... He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's patience is our opportunity for repentance. God is holding back his just judgment on our sin so that we might turn from our sin and turn to him and receive his salvation. This is what Peter goes on to say just a few verses later in verse 15. He says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means what? It means salvation. If you have turned from your sin in repentance, if you have turned to Jesus in faith, you have received new life in Jesus. You have received new relationship with God. You have been a beneficiary of God's patience because you have received the salvation that is its purpose. Here's the way the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He writes, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, Paul says. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, Paul understood the amazing patience that God had shown to him. You see, before Paul put his faith in Jesus and became a believer, Paul killed believers. He hunted them down and murdered them. And Jesus was patient with him. 
Jesus graciously saved him. In fact, while Paul was traveling on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, he was actually on his way to hunt some believers. His eyes were open to the reality of Jesus, and he was never the same again. He was forever amazed at the grace of God to him. He was forever amazed at God's patience with him. Now, what about you? Are you amazed at God's grace to you? Are you amazed at God's patience with you? You know, I am so amazed at God's patience with me. I fail and I fall again and again. And God picks me up again and again. In fact, a pastor that I really admire is a man named Ray Ortland. He's in Nashville in the United States, and someone who knows Ray really well describes the time that he went to get a a coffee with Ray. And he says, I met Ray at the church, and we rode in his truck to grab a coffee. I don't remember what we talked about. All I remember is the ride back to church. We were at a stoplight, a long one. Ray didn't intend to teach me anything, but he did. I asked him how he was doing in an area I knew he was struggling with. Looking straight ahead, he said simply but profoundly, David, God is so patient with me. He's so patient. He's so patient. He's so patient. My memory tells me he repeated that phrase for at least a full minute. Ray couldn't and still can't get over the patience of God. That's why Ray's sermons drip with grace. When you know that God has been exceedingly abundantly patient with you, you cannot help but begin to drip with grace. You cannot help but begin to grow in patience. And this is why God calls us to pursue patience in our lives. God has filled us with his spirit so that we might be filled with the fruit of patience. But what does that look like? How do we do that Monday to Saturday? How do we do that in our day-to-day lives? How can we not only know that God has been patient with us, but then show that patience to others? The first thing I would say is that we need to reject the world's solution to impatience. The world's solution to impatience is not to develop patience, but to remove the need for patience to eliminate the need for patience. I mean, we live in an instant society, don't we? We want what we want, when we want it, and we don't want to wait. This is why companies are doing whatever they can to reduce and eliminate wait times. For example, Amazon now offer same-day delivery. If you order an item online, if you live in certain areas, you can get that delivered to you on the same day. If you fly with an airline often enough, you will be rewarded with priority boarding and priority baggage. If you visit Dreamworld, you can buy a ride express pass, which is like your golden ticket to skip the queue. Thanks to uh, streaming services like Netflix, we can now watch episode after episode after episode of TV shows without interruptions and without ads. We can get dinner from a drive through window within minutes. Or if we don't feel like driving and waiting in the queue, we can just order Uber Eats. We can get information 
when we want. And you don't need to buy an encyclopedia set, you just need to click on Google. I mean, we live in an instant society. We want what we want when we want it, and we don't want to wait. And it's having an impact on us. In an article in the, the Boston Globe titled, Instant Gratification is Making Us Perpetually Impatient, there was a study done to determine how long internet users were willing to wait for a website to load before they would abandon it. The result? Users began to bail after two seconds. After five seconds, 25% of users had left. After 10 seconds, more than half of people half of the people surveyed had gone. Research done by Microsoft has shown that the average attention span has shrunk from 12 seconds in the year 2000 to 8 seconds in 2013. Now, what that means is that our attention span is now officially shorter by a full second than that of a goldfish. <laughs> and that's 2013. I shudder to think what it might be today. Now, all of this is problematic for the Christ follower. We are being discipled, maybe unwittingly, towards impatience. When Christ calls us to pursue patience. So what does that look like for us? How can we live lives of patience? What does it look like for us to be patient? Well, according to the Bible, there are four main ways in which we can pursue patience. There are four areas of life that we will need patience in and that we can develop patience as we go through them. The first, if you're taking notes, is this. We need patience to endure trials. The Bible clearly and repeatedly tells us that we will endure trials and troubles and suffering in this life. And so often our instinctive and natural response when trials and troubles come is to get out of them as quickly as we can, to medicate them if we can, to just remove ourselves from the trouble. But if we are going to endure the trials and the troubles when they come, we will need patience. In fact, in some translations of the Bible, the word patience is translated long-suffering. It means the ability to suffer for a long time without giving up or without growing bitter. Now, this doesn't sound very pleasant, it doesn't sound very easy, and it isn't. But with the presence of God's Spirit, and as we follow the example of God's Son, it's possible. In fact, we read in 1 Peter chapter 2 that when Jesus went to the cross, the ultimate trouble, when he went through that, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And this is what you and I are called to as well. We are called to long suffering, to entrust ourselves to God in the midst of our troubles without giving up or without growing bitter. Now, how do we do this? Well, it's a lot easier said than done. And there's really no silver bullet, but we develop this kind of long suffering as we look to the future that God has promised us and as we lean on the help that God has provided us. See, God has promised us a future that is free from trouble, free from trials, free from tears. And God has given us help to endure trials and trouble in this life. He's given us the comfort of his spirit 
He's given us the support of his people and he's given us the promises of his word. And we are to lean on these things to develop patience as we go through trials and troubles of this life. This is why James says in chapter one of his letter, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In this life, we will need patience to endure trials. We will also need patience to overcome anger. Now, what is it that hits your hot button? What makes you angry? What lights your fuse? The chances are it could be any number of things. We all find ourselves provoked by different things. It might be the the disobedience of a child, the, the defiance of an employee. It might just be the rudeness of other people. Whatever it is, when we find ourselves provoked, the temptation is to respond in anger, to lose our temper, to retaliate, to lash out. But God calls us to a different kind of response. James says later in his letter that we should be slow to become angry. Paul says that a characteristic of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is that it is not easily angered. Now, when we are provoked and we respond with patience, we are imitating God. We are bearing witness to the God who is patient. In fact, I heard a story this week about a man named John Selwyn. Now, as a young man, John was educated at Cambridge. He was a successful rower and he was an accomplished boxer. Now, however, he decided to enter into, mission, uh, into ministry. He became an Anglican priest, and he eventually ended up as a missionary to the South Pacific Islands. Now, one day, John Selwyn gave a stern but loving rebuke to a man who regularly attended the local church. Now, this man resented the advice, and he punched John Selwyn in the face. Now, in return, John Selwyn folded his arms, looked into the eyes of the young man, and turned his face to take the other blow. Now this young man, it was too much for him. He was ashamed of himself and he ran away and he fled into the jungle. Now Selwyn could have easily knocked that man out. He was a boxer, but he didn't do it. Now many years later, this this young man who hit John Selwyn, he accepted Jesus. And it was customary at that time Uh, for a new believer to choose a a Christian name for themselves after they uh, had become a Christian. Now, when he was asked if he wished to do this, the young man replied, yes, call me John Selwyn. He's the one who taught me what Jesus Christ is really like. Now, we too can show others what Jesus is like by being patient and being slow to anger. And this means that when we are provoked, we are called to exercise restraint and control. We don't discipline our kids in anger. We don't delight in punishing those who've wronged us. We don't lash out and use our physical strength to impose our will. We're not eager to throw our weight around. We are slow to become angry. Now, if you would say that that you do find anger to be a particular struggle... If you find yourself quick to lose your temper, let me just say two things. Firstly, you must acknowledge that a quick temper is sin before God. 
And you can't just excuse it by saying, that's the way I am, because God is changing who we are. And so lean on the Spirit of God for help. Ask the Spirit of God to change your heart. In that moment, say, God, everything in me wants to lash out right now. Help me. Help me to become patient. Help me to know that you have been so kind, so patient to me, so that I can show that patience to others. And when you do lose your temper, when you do lash out, when you do respond in a, in a wrong way, apologize to the person who was the object of your outburst. And then ask God for forgiveness and strength. I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm saying that this is important and necessary. Because God wants to fill our lives with the fruit of patience so that we might bear witness to the God who is patient. We need patience to endure trials, we need patience to overcome anger, and we need patience to bear with shortcomings. I read a title of a book this week that was, Life Would Be Easy If It Weren't For Other People. (laughs) Now that's true to an extent, isn't it? I mean, we need patience in our day-to-day lives because we have to deal with the faults, the failures, the foibles of other people. Now, people won't always do it on purpose, but but they will act in ways that affect us, that irritate us, that annoy us, that disappoint us. And we need patience to bear with those shortcomings. That's what the Apostle Paul said in our reading from Ephesians 2 a little bit earlier. He said, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Now, these instructions were written to the church, the the church in Ephesus, and they're written to you and to me. We are to be patient with one another. We are to bear with one another in love. In fact, this is where we get the, the old word forbearance from. It's an old word. It's one we don't use very much anymore, but basically it means to bear with other people. It means to put up with or tolerate things that other people do, even when they annoy you, irritate you, or worse. An example someone shared with me this week was they don't allow their children to touch the walls at home, to put their hands on the wall, and neither do we. But anyway, they've learned that over the years, other families and extended family don't share this same value. And so they need forbearance when these other gorgeous kids come over and put their sticky mitts all over the walls. But this person said to me, they said, but we love those kids. And most times, the marks come straight off. The ones that stay, well, they are reminders of how blessed we are to have a beautiful family to share life with. Now, that's a a small example, but if we are going to be a healthy part of a healthy church community, we will need forbearance. We will need to overlook those things when other people annoy us or irritate us. We'll need to forgive instead of holding on to a grudge. We'll need to overlook instead of becoming offended. We'll need forbearance. I love the way Christopher Wright puts it in his book. He says, forbearance is when you learn to be patient with others, mainly because you are very well aware of your own shortcomings and weaknesses. It means you remember that other people are probably also having to be forbearing with you. Now, that's the truth. When you understand your own shortcomings, your own weaknesses, you will have empathy and sympathy and you will bear with the shortcomings of others. We need patience to endure trials, 
We need patience to overcome anger, to bear with the shortcomings of others. And finally, we need patience to wait on God. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, I'm sure you've realized by now that God doesn't work on our calendar. God works on a different timetable to you and me. I mean, maybe you've been praying for many years for the salvation of a loved one. Maybe you've been praying for many years about an issue at work, a health challenge, a relationship breakdown. Maybe you've been praying and asking for the right person to come along to marry. And it just seems like nothing is happening, like God isn't listening, like God doesn't care. And the temptation when we find ourselves in these situations, it is to give up. It's to stop praying for our loved ones, to stop asking God for his help. Or it is to take matters into our own hands, to pursue a relationship that we know we shouldn't. In other words, the temptation is to stop trusting God. And if this is your experience, you're not on your own. Some of the greatest figures in the Bible, they had to wait many, many years for God's promises. And they didn't always get it right. I think of Abraham, who had to wait years and years for the promise of a son, but took matters into his own hands with Hagar, and it led to heartache. When we have to wait on God, we're tempted to not trust God. And this is why we need patience. We need patience to remember that God works in our waiting, that God hears our prayers, that God knows our needs, and that God has a glorious future in store for those who love him. You see, we will never lose by trusting God. We'll never be worse off for patiently waiting on God. Even though everyone around us will tell us differently, take what you want, take what you you need. The Bible says, no, wait on the Lord. Put your hope in him and he won't put you to shame. I read a story this week about an open sea swimmer who decided to swim from the Catalina Island to the California coast. It's a distance of about 40 kilometers. She trained hard and she was ready for the task, but about halfway across, a fog descended and visibility got low. She struggled on and on and on, but because she couldn't see where she was going, she became more and more discouraged. And eventually, not being able to see through the fog, she gave up. She signaled to the boat and she climbed in to warm up and to recover. But as they got to the shore, they realized that they were only half a kilometer away from the shore. She was gutted, and she was quoted to have said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Now, we go through so many things in life that fog our vision. We go through so many things that tempt us to not trust God to take matters into our own hands. And this morning, God wants to clear our vision. God wants to show us the shore. God wants to remind us that he's with us, he'll never leave us, and he'll never let us go. And so keep trusting him. Now, I'm not sure where you need patience in your life, but I know that you need it, because I need it. Maybe you're facing trouble in your life and you need patience to persevere and to not give up. Maybe you're being provoked by other people in your life. You find your patience being severely tested by your kids, by your colleagues, by other family members, and you need patience to not lash out and to not blow up. Maybe you're easily frustrated by the shortcomings of other people. You need patience to overlook, to forgive, to bear with. Maybe 
you're tempted to stop trusting God, to give up, to put your hand up and say, let me in the boat, I'm out. This morning, the encouragement from God is don't give up. Keep trusting him. And so let's turn to him now in prayer. The God who hears our prayers and let's lay before him where we need help and what it is that's on our hearts. Let's come before God and pray. Heavenly Father, I'm not sure where where each of us is at or where each of us needs patience, Lord, but we all need it. And so we want to turn to you this morning, the God of patience, the God who is patient with us, and we want to ask for your help. Lord, where we need help to overcome anger, please give it. Where we need help to, to bear with shortcomings, to endure trials, to keep trusting you, Oh, Lord, please help us. Please help us to see the shore so that we don't give up. And Lord, now just in these next couple of moments, we want to bring before you what's on our hearts and what's on our minds, and we want to ask for your help, knowing that you hear us and that you're with us. God, you are so patient with us. You are so patient with us. You are so patient with us. Fill us with the fruit of patience for the glory of your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand? for this blessing. Now the God who hears your cries and listens to your prayers be the shelter above you, the tower around you and the rock beneath you this day and all the days of your life. Amen. Who am I that the highest would Spread.